0: Welcome to Spirit of the Camino, a podcast about the unique and magical experience that is the Camino de Santiago. Join us on this adventure and discover the spirit of the Camino for yourself.
1: Hello and welcome to the Spirit of the Camino podcast, a podcast about pilgrimage routes in Europe that lead to the Spanish city of Santiago de Compostela and that are collectively known as the Camino de Santiago. My name is Nick Leonard. I'm joined by my wife, Wendy Werneth, and we're excited to share our experiences on the Camino de Santiago in this podcast.
0: We are very excited. The Camino is something that's really special for both of us, and it's been a real pleasure to share it with all the other pilgrims that we've met along the way. And now we're excited to be able to share it with you, too.
1: All right, so in this episode, we're going to introduce ourselves and our history with the Camino de Santiago. Then we're going to look at the question of what the spirit of the Camino actually is. And finally, we're going to let you know what our plans are for this podcast and for the web project that goes along with it. Sound good? Sounds great. All right, so just to introduce ourselves briefly, I come from Australia, you come from the United States, and we both left our home countries at a similar stage in life, just after finishing university, and we went to Europe, and then shortly thereafter we bumped into each other. hmm In and, the Roman Forum. In the Roman Forum, uh, in the city of Rome, which is where we met, and later where we got married. Um, and essentially we never returned, either of us, to our home countries to live, and we've been living and traveling overseas ever since.
0: Yep, so we're vagabonds, you might say.
1: We're a little bit more settled now than we used to be, but uh, we still have that spirit of of travel, adventure, and discovery, let's say.
0: Yeah, and we do travel a lot still. I call us semi-nomadic because we do have a home base, which is in Lisbon, Portugal. And normally we spend about six months out of the year there and the other part of the year traveling.
1: Alright, so just to introduce our Camino history, uh, the Camino de Santiago was something that we had heard about a long time ago, probably 15 years ago, and it was something that intrigued us right from the beginning because we already had been to Spain quite a few times, we loved Spain, Uh, we loved the idea of this combination of walking or hiking in the outdoors, but also the historical and cultural aspects that come with the Camino. So when we found out about it, we thought, oh, that sounds great, that'd be something that we'd really like to do.
0: Yeah, I think it was probably even more than 15 years for me, closer to 20, I would say. I remember talking to someone in Rome, or I think I met him in Rome and we kind of stayed in contact through email, and I later got an email from him saying, I've just walked the Camino de Santiago and it was the best thing I've ever done in my life. Um, and it sounded intriguing, but I didn't really look into it too much at that time, didn't really contemplate doing it, but I did know of it for a long time. And yeah, it has been something that we we were thinking about for years and years before we actually walked our first Camino ourselves.
1: Yeah, I think there were a couple of things that held us back. Uh, the first was that we read an article, which is apparently quite an influential article, it's just on a blog, um, and the article is called 10 Reasons Why the Camino de Santiago Sucks. Yeah. <laughs> And we read it not knowing much about the Camino, just knowing that a little bit, knowing that we thought it sounded like something we'd be interested in. And we read this blog, and it complained a lot about the Camino, and the main complaint was that you're walking on the road a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. And it was written by someone who's used to doing wilderness hiking, and you can see in this article that they're just complaining a lot that what they want are single file uh, dirt paths. Right. And they just didn't get enough of that. Um, and there's too much road walking and roads in the way that they, in the way that this guy explains it can be a road that cars are on, but also it can be, you know, a a sort of a dirt road that's in a forest or something. Even that he didn't like Hmm. anything that could be considered a road that was wide enough for cars, even if there were no cars on it, uh, he didn't like that at all. Hmm. And so he lists these 10 reasons, but basically, I don't know, half of them come back to the idea that you're either on the road or close to the road most of the time. And we read that and not knowing much else, not having any other first-hand experience and thought, oh, wow, gee, maybe this is not really for us after all. You know, we thought this would be great, but now it sounds like it's not so good.
0: Yeah, and at that time we were living in Switzerland, so we were actually doing quite a bit of mountain hiking ourselves. And that was also our idea of what a a hike or a walk should be. It should be on these small dirt paths. So, yeah, walking on a road didn't sound very appealing to me. And I thought, yeah, maybe this guy's right.
1: And then the other aspect was that when we were living in Switzerland, we had, or especially you had a full-time job, and even though you got quite decent holidays by by many people's standards, about six weeks a year, um, you know, in order to do the Camino de Santiago, to do the full Camino Frances, it takes about that long. Mm -hmm. And having read this article, we thought, do we want to commit, you know, your entire year's worth of holidays to this thing where we don't know if we are going to enjoy it or not?
0: Yeah. And if you don't enjoy it, then you've just wasted... A whole year and then yeah you don't get any travel for the rest of the year and travel was something that was has always been precious to us but especially at that time when I was having a full-time job and so our travel was limited we didn't want to just waste it on an experience that wasn't gonna be good
1: so we lived in Switzerland in Geneva for six years and we were thinking about the Camino but in the end we didn't do it um, and it was finally once we left Geneva and moved to Lisbon, where we live now, that we changed our lifestyle a little bit and we had more time and we decided, okay, if we're going to do this Camino, we might as well just do it. Now we have the opportunity. We have no excuse. We live nearby. uh, Everything was in place for us to do it. Mm -hmm. And so that was uh, almost four years, let's say three and a half years ago now that we decided to walk the Camino Frances. And this is the so-called French way. And it is for many people the Camino de Santiago. Mm-hmm. And for us at the time, I think we weren't aware that there were other routes. We thought that that was the only route.
0: Yeah, I think I figured it out at some point while I was preparing for that Camino. Uh, someone made reference to, oh, if you're going to walk the Camino Frances, then you know, it gets pretty busy, and sometimes the albergues can get booked out, so you know, if you're going at a peak season, then be aware of that. And that was the first time I'd ever heard that term, Camino Frances, and then I think I did Realize that there were other Caminos, but for us, yeah, there was never any question about which Camino we were going to walk, even though we do live on a Camino. <laughs> we do live in Lisbon, which is the starting point for many people for the Camino Portugues, which we could have done. Uh, but yeah, for us, it was always going to be the Camino Frances as the first Camino. Well, we didn't know it was going to be the first. We just thought it was going to be a one-off thing. And then as it turned out, we got hooked.
1: And when we began, you know, we were, I think, using our experience hiking in previous trips as the kind of basis for what we thought this would be. So we'd done quite a bit of hiking Uh, in Nepal. We did a 23-day hike in the Annapurna Sanctuary and the Annapurna Circuit Um, in Patagonia, both in Chile and Argentina. We'd done multi-day hiking, and this is wilderness mountain hiking. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so similar to the guy who had written this article, that's sort of the approach that we came in with. Um, And... You know, at the beginning, it was just a little bit overwhelming. There were so many people um, doing the Camino and it just wasn't like anything that we'd done before. And so I think it probably took us a little while just to find our feet with the Camino, would you say?
0: Yeah, I think we weren't really socializing or interacting too much with the other pilgrims, even though we did see all of these other pilgrims around us. Um, But it did take a while for us to kind of figure out how it works and to yeah find our way.
1: Well I think when you're in the wilderness and you're doing a wilderness hike you don't want to be around other people. The Mm -hmm. idea is you want to have this great nature all to yourself and that's a big part of the appeal and the atmosphere. Now what the Camino de Santiago is is it's a shared experience with other people Mm -hmm. Um, but you know on the first day or the second day we didn't really realize that and at first we were thinking gosh how can we get away from all of these other people (laughs) like how can we align our stages differently um, so that you know we can walk by ourselves and just enjoy this by ourselves. And then after a while, it finally clicked, and we understood that sharing this experience with other people is a huge part of what makes it so special.
0: Absolutely. Yes, I'd say the biggest part for me, especially on that Camino. I mean, we have done others later on where there were far fewer pilgrims, and it was still special in different ways, but yes, sharing it with with other people is huge.
1: We also had quite a few difficulties at the beginning. You discovered, or you uh, contracted plantar fasciitis in your feet on the first day.
0: Yeah, I didn't realize on the first day. It took probably a week or so of being in excruciating pain before I finally figured out that this pain was not normal and that there was something wrong. It wasn't just that, you know, my body was getting used to walking these long distances. Um, so yeah, I started researching on the internet and eventually figured out that it was plantar fasciitis and tried so many different things and, um, Not very many of them worked. Eventually, what worked was wearing Crocs. Actually, I bought a pair of Crocs in Leon, and I walked the final 300 or so kilometers in Crocs, and that went pretty well. But yeah, that first week, at least, I did not think that I was going to finish because it was just so painful.
1: Yeah, Uh, and I didn't have the kind of pain that you had at all. But, you know, finding that rhythm or discovering that rhythm was difficult uh, for me as well. You know, you walk, depending on the day, even 20 to 25 kilometers, uh, maybe more. And you're exhausted by the time you arrive. It was very hot at the beginning of our Camino Frances. And we were just wiped out every day.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: And then you'd get to the town at the end of the day and you'd want to do some exploring. And that would be hard because... You just physically you just couldn't do it even though you wanted to. Uh, and we had to kind of, you know, there's a, there's a line between being pilgrims or being tourists. And mm-hmm. we found it hard to find that balance in the beginning, just while you're getting used to walking these distances day after day.
0: Yeah, even now, I still kind of struggle to mm-hmm. balance being a pilgrim with being a tourist, or trying to do both at the same time. I still find that challenging.
1: But anyway, it took us 39 days to get from saint jean pierre de port which is the so-called traditional, or let's say, at least modern starting point for the Camino Frances to Santiago de Compostela. Uh, we took a couple of rest days and we took a couple of slower days once you, once we'd realized uh, that you were having some serious problems with your feet. We took a couple of days where we didn't walk that much just to see if that would uh, improve things for you. Um, but in the end, it was just this amazing experience that we absolutely loved.
0: Yes, and so we have now kind of developed a tradition of doing a different Camino every year. And uh, because there are so many of them, as we discovered, there's a lot more to it than just the Camino Frances. And so we've got plenty to keep us busy for years and years to come. And it's something that's uh, become really special to us and brought a lot of joy to our lives.
1: Absolutely. And it's interesting that some people will just walk the Camino Frances over and over again. Mm -hmm. People have done it five, six more times uh, because it is the classic Camino and there's so much to it. And you could walk it again and stay in completely different places Mm -hmm. and have a completely different experience.
0: Yeah, and I'm very open to doing that. I wouldn't mind at all doing that at least one more time.
1: But in our normal... Traveling lives, we always like to visit new places that we haven't been to before, Mm -hmm. and then the Camino is kind of a microcosm of that. We like to do a different route that we haven't done before um, because it feels like it's something new and exciting, even though doing the Frances again, I'm sure, would be great, uh, as you said. Mm Mm-hmm. So the second Camino that we did was the Camino Primitivo. This is the so-called original way. Uh, it's a much shorter Camino. It's only 300 and something kilometers, 320 or so. And it starts from Oviedo, which is in Asturias. And you walk in this region of Asturias and then Galicia, which is where Santiago is. And so that took us 13 days, I believe. Um, and it's quite a different Camino because it's a bit more mountainous. And it's it's a beautiful Camino. It's considered one of the most beautiful because it's in a very green region with mountains and with forests, um, and so it has a different feel, I would say, from the Camino Frances in that way.
0: Yes. Uh, also gets a lot of rain, which is why everything is so green.
1: Yeah. When you, when it's a nice day and you, you're in an area like that and you look around, and you think, Oh, wow, this greenery is also amazing. And then when the next day when it's pouring, then you think, Right. I understand the greenery now. Yeah. Mm. So it did rain for us quite a lot on the Primitivo, even though it was late May, early June. So it should have been, you know, coming into early summer. Um, but. You know, it does rain on the, on the Camino. You know, you're not going to do a Camino, especially a long one, where you have amazing days weather-wise every day. Mm-hmm. And it's just part of the journey. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember on the Primitivo, actually on the second day, which I think was the first day, it really rained a lot. Um, there was a moment where you were in your poncho and you met a horse.
0: Yes, I remember that.
1: And you were patting the horse and I took a photo of you with the horse. But it was just this nice little moment you know that you take on camino even if it's a, a day that you're not really enjoying it's raining you're wet uh, you can just have these special little moments and that was one of them
0: mhm yeah, and uh, the rain is a good example of how you do just learn to keep going and just accept everything that happens along the way and realize that it's all part of the journey and you're going to learn from all of it.
1: I remember we met somebody on the Camino Frances who said, I don't walk in the rain. Mm. So he, if he wakes up and it's raining or it's forecast to rain, he just takes a rest day in the, in the city or the town that he's in. Uh, and then once we walked, I mean, we didn't get that much rain on the Frances. Once we walked the Primitivo and we're walking in rain quite a lot, we thought, well, this guy, if he did the Primitivo, he would never finish, or it would take him months to walk this uh, you 12, 13 day route um, because of the rain. But the Primitivo was also, I would say, our best social Camino. Mm -hmm. Uh, There was just the right number of pilgrims for us because the Frances can be overwhelming at times. But on the Primitivo, we had about 12 or 15 pilgrims all walking the same stages as as us, and we developed that so-called Camino family with them, Mm -hmm. and that was an amazing part of the Primitivo.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it was really great because, like you said, we were all on the same stages. Uh, because on the Frances, you have a new albergue, a new village and a place to stay every few kilometers. So um, it's you're not necessarily seeing the same people every day. You might later run into someone that you hadn't seen for a couple of weeks because you had been like just ahead of them or just behind them. But on the Primitivo... At least when we did it there weren't very many places to stay, so you didn't really have a lot of choice and the people who you started with on day one were also the people that you finished with
1: and that was really great and we've seen a couple of those people um, even after the Camino as well um, somebody came to stay with us uh, here in Lisbon and then we went to Slovakia and we met uh, uh, one of the other people who were on the Camino with us uh, and so we built some nice friendships on the Primitivo for sure. Mm-hmm. The third Camino that we did was the Camino de Madrid, which is, even though it starts in Madrid, so you'd think that it would be um, perhaps a more popular Camino is actually a a very unpopular Camino. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's not walked by many pilgrims at all. Um, And that was surprising in the end because I love this Camino. Um, It's great in that it has just enough infrastructure in terms of albergues and other things that you need as a pilgrim on the one hand, on the other hand, there, there are hardly any other people walking. Um, and so it's, it's sort of up and coming, let's say, or it's ready to accept a few more pilgrims than it has now, um, mm-hmm. but it just isn't getting those numbers at the moment or certainly not when we walked last year.
0: Right. Uh, yeah. So that was an interesting experience to have kind of a solitary Camino or nearly sol- solitary. There was one other pilgrim who did walk with us for, for much of the way. And so it was nice to have that connection with him. But yeah, it was different because uh, up until that point, for me, you know, the people who I'd met along the way, that was kind of what made the Camino the Camino for me. Um, And then we had this one where we weren't meeting very many people. And I realized that it still was a Camino. There's still, it still had that something special about it, which is kind of hard to qualify and i guess we're going to talk a bit more about what that something special is
1: yeah we will and i found that we had some really interesting interactions with local people on the Camino de Madrid, and then the the spirit of the Camino was encapsulated in those interactions rather than interactions with other pilgrims which is typically what we had experienced in our previous two Caminos you know when you're on a Camino that's a bit off the beaten path the local people there are not um, let's say jaded by all of the pilgrims that they may be on a Camino like the Camino Frances. And so we just had really genuine uh, experiences with local people and I really uh, enjoyed and treasured that as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point.
1: And the, at this stage, final Camino that we've done up until now, but not our final one, uh, for sure, in the future. Yeah, let's hope not. <laughs> uh, is the Portuguese route of the Camino de Santiago. We finally did that this year, and we're going to have a lot more to say about that as we go forward with this podcast. So we've done four Caminos now. As you said, it's an annual tradition. It was a little bit difficult to fit one in this year because of the <laughs> pandemic, uh, but we managed to do it. And we're hoping to do another one next year and to keep going on this journey.
0: Yep. We're actually planning a pretty big one for next year. So of course, everything is up in the air right now. The situation is constantly changing. So we're not sure what's going to be possible, but we definitely plan to get out there again.
1: All right. So the name of this podcast and the web project that goes along with it is Spirit of the Camino. And if you mention the spirit of the Camino to someone else who's walked the Camino, I think they immediately have a sense of something like what you're talking about. If you mention it to someone who's never walked the Camino, they might not really understand exactly what you mean at all. Now, the spirit of the Camino can mean different things to different pilgrims. Certainly there's not just one definition that fits all, but it's just, in general, I think this special feeling that you have on the Camino de Santiago. It's not hiking exactly, although that's part of it. It's not travel or tourism exactly, although that's part of it. It's just this different thing. Uh, and it's a very special thing. And it's obviously something that we've become hooked on. Mm-hmm. And so have many, many other people as well.
0: Yes, and I would like to emphasize the fact that it's not a hike. For me, hiking and being on Camino are two really very different things, even though superficially it looks like you're doing the same thing, right? You're walking for long periods of time. Um, But... I, it's, for me, it's not a hike, it's a pilgrimage, even though I'm not a religious person, um, and I'm not doing it for religious reasons, but it does have a, a spiritual aspect of some kind for me. And I think that it's important to, and to really, if you're going to kind of understand the Camino, it's important to approach it as a pilgrimage and not as a hike.
1: Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. And, and as mentioned earlier, maybe we didn't quite do that just the very first few days on the Frances until we sort of understood what this was all about. But you know, everybody comes to this realization, you know, in their own time and in their own way. Mm-hmm. So in order to just look a little bit more at this idea of the spirit of the Camino, just as um, something to explore here in our first episode, I opened a thread on the Camino de Santiago forums which you can find at CaminoDeSantiago.me, and asked people what the spirit of the Camino means to them. Because as we said, it does mean different things to different people. And it was really fabulous to see these replies from all of these other pilgrims um, giving very different answers in in some cases, but all sort of encapsulating just this special experience that is the Camino de Santiago, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and so just to give a couple of the very short answers, some people answered uh, you know, quite in-depth, other people answered with just one sentence. And I'll read out just a couple of the one-sentence answers, just because I find them interesting, uh, to see how people can, in very few words, uh, capture the spirit of the Camino. Mm-hmm. First one is, being at peace with the world and those around me. Mm-hmm. Second one, just trying to be a good person. Which I quite liked because also, you know, I think we found that as well, that the Camino brings out the best in people for the most part.
0: Yes, I definitely agree with that.
1: The third one, finding what I was looking for. Mm -hmm. Another fascinating one because people are looking for different things and some people find them and some people don't find them. But, Uh you know, you can at least go looking for it uh, and the Camino is a great place to do that. Mm -hmm. And the final one, it is home. I love that. Definitely, because of course... it, it. You know, you're going typically somewhere else to do it, um, but so it's not your physical home, but it can be your home in in another way, in a Mm -hmm. different way. Mm -hmm. There were a couple of more detailed answers, as I mentioned, and there were two in particular which are quite long, but incredible answers, and so we'd like to read them out just uh, to give you an idea of what this means to people.
0: Mm -hmm. Would you like to go first? Mm -hmm.
1: And so this is from uh, a pilgrim named Alicia. And actually, she had written this on her social media and on the forums a couple of years ago, and I used it uh, as a way of beginning this thread that I just mentioned to inspire people and said, look at this answer and then give us your answer. And so you're going to read out this answer from Alicia.
0: All right, here we go. It's been a little over three weeks now since my last day on the Camino de Santiago. And in the space of that time, The memory and the mourning for being back on the way has its moments of feeling palpable. The journey you've all followed me on, through the photos I've shared, does little to truly harness the emotion and humility of being a pilgrim. Contrary to the blue skies and wild flowers, what the photos don't capture is the pain, the tears, the camaraderie, the willpower, the love and power for change that exists within the confines of the Camino. Your life suddenly becomes very simple. Each day you wake before the sun rises, quietly repack your belongings in the dark, and you find a reason that compels you to put one foot in front of the other. That reason compels you to walk through pain, through shin splints, tendinitis, blisters, rain, and hail. You walk, you eat, you laugh, you sleep, you repeat. You cry. You cry because you're happy, You cry as a result of pain. You cry because you're humbled, and you cry because of the deep love and respect you have for nature, the path, and the people on it. Often you cry without reason at all. The Camino makes you family. Everything you have you must be willing to share. You share your last compede, your wine, your burdens, your humor, your thoughts. You share of yourself without limitations, hesitation, or personal gain. What you share becomes the testimony of your experience. You share with strangers and quickly learn that one step back is more valuable than 100 steps forward in order to help another without thought for yourself. This lesson quickly breeds change, and you see the best version of yourself reflected back at you in the eyes of those who you stop stopped to help. The compassion, both given and received, cracks your heart wide open and makes it impossible to not be unequivocally changed by the experience of being human, by the experience of being a pilgrim. The Camino compels you to look within, to be vulnerable, to let yourself need and be needed, to be compassionate, to dig deep into the confines of your heart, and to learn about yourself. It tests your limits of physical and emotional pain and spins what you find into the most valuable possession you've ever held in your own two hands, the most authentic version of yourself you have ever known. The journey to Santiago de Compostela is not an endurance challenge, a test of fitness, a competition, or a walk about kilometers or miles. The way is a journey into yourself, a journey into friendship contemplation, silence, nature, humility, spirituality, and gratitude. That's beautiful. It really is. (laughs) There's so much that I connect with and relate to in that, and she said it so much better than I ever could have.
1: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I think just a few of the, the things that stood out for me, the idea of sharing I think that's an enormous part of the spirit of the Camino that you're sharing this experience with other people who you're walking with. You're sharing it with the people who, the local people who live along the way. And you're also sharing it in a way with people who have come before you and people who come after you. Mm -hmm. And the other aspect of just the practical part, you wake up and you walk. Yes. And that's it.
0: And how it simplifies your life. It's so true. That's... You know, you leave everything behind, everything that you're worried about on a daily basis normally and that seems so important. And then you get on the Camino and all you have to do is walk and you don't have to think about anything else. And that's um, that's what makes it so healing for me i'd say
1: and there are quite a few people who will walk a camino and and realize this and understand this and realize that all they have is a small backpack and everything they need is in that backpack and they'll come home and then go on this declutter uh, minimalist spree where they'll just get rid of all of this stuff that they thought was really valuable to them and then they realize that they didn't need it at all mm-hmm. uh, in their normal life
0: mm-hmm.
1: all right i'm going to read out uh, another answer this okay. is from david talon and uh it's equally beautiful You see the spirit of the Camino whenever you see people helping and supporting each other, carrying another's weight when the burden becomes too heavy for a fellow pilgrim, sharing from the limited amount that we carry ourselves when we see another in need, or the local residents with their donativo stands, or helping pilgrims who have departed from the path find it again. You see the spirit of the Camino in the connections people make with each other, sometimes in Camino families that can last for weeks, sometimes in 15 minutes of walking together or while sharing a table at a bar. You see the spirit of the Camino in the connections people make with the land that they are walking through, land that they are measuring and experiencing step by step, day by day, through the cities and pueblos, through the fields and forests. You see the spirit of the Camino in the understanding that people gain of their bodies, through the aches and pains, the weariness and fatigue, often the injuries and ailments, but also the growing strength and appreciation of our capabilities and endurance. You see the spirit of the Camino, not only in the community and conversation, but in the silence and space, space away from the distractions of our regular daily life, space where we can see ourselves, where we can see the larger universe and reality, where we can see that the line between the two is not as clear as it seems when we aren't paying attention, space where we can see where we've come from and get some ideas about where we are going. You see the spirit of the Camino in the way it gives so much and requires so little. In fact, if we bring too much it encourages us to reduce what we are carrying, requiring only that we keep putting one foot in front of the other and move ourselves closer, to Santiago.
0: Mm. Yeah, that one's good too.
1: Anything in particular that stood out for you? (laughs)
0: Um, Yeah, just coming back at the very end to how it gives so much and requires so little, which we've already touched on just now, but uh, I really find that to be true, and not just with the physical things that you carry with you, which we do certainly try to minimize. We take very small packs, But also, just emotionally and mentally, it's a time for me to just clear my mind of of everything. And uh, I find it very meditative in that way.
1: Yeah, I think one of the interesting points there was that he was talking about uh, how it's this you know, the spirit is often in this social interaction, but often it's also in the silence and the Mm. space. Mm. And it can often be when you're by yourself that you find the spirit of the Camino, which would appear in contrast to, you know, when you're socializing and having a good time with these other pilgrims. Uh, But sometimes you need, you know, that combination of those two things as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's very true.
1: All right. So that gives you a little bit of an idea as to what the spirit of the Camino is to different people and to us. Just as a way of concluding, I think that one of the things you mentioned before is that people walk for different reasons, and that we don't walk necessarily for religious reasons, but some people do. Mm-hmm. Some people walk for spiritual reasons. Some people walk for more the exercise physical aspect of it. Other people for cultural and tourism aspects. A lot of people walk for soul searching or if they've suffered loss or pain and they're trying to recover from that. And I think the spirit of the Camino is the fact that it brings all of these people together. And it doesn't matter what your background is, it doesn't matter where you come from, it doesn't matter what your political leanings are, you're just a person trying to walk from one place to another, and everybody else is trying to do the same thing. Mm -hmm. And so you may come across these people who you wouldn't interact with in your ordinary life because you might not really have anything in common with them, but on the Camino you do have this thing in common, and that's the spirit of the Camino.
0: Yeah, that's very true, and so you can develop pretty deep connections with people who, yeah, you probably wouldn't have been friends with in in normal, quote-unquote, normal life.
1: Okay, so just to finish up with this introductory episode, we'd like to talk a little bit more about this podcast and about the web project, Spirit of the Camino. So, we anticipate that the podcast will take place in seasons, and we're going to begin straight away with the first season of our podcast, and we're very excited to bring that to you. And that uh, that season is all about the Portuguese route of the Camino de Santiago, which we have just walked, mm-hmm. and so we're still all excited about it, and we can't wait to get, get started and tell you all about it. So, each episode will focus on some different aspect of this Portuguese Camino, and we're really looking forward to that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we're also a little bit sad that it's over, so it's a way for us to reminisce and, you know, kind of continue to be on the Camino in some form with you, even though we are back home now.
1: And as we continue to walk, hopefully, Caminos in future years, we're going to bring you more seasons of this podcast, each season focusing on a different Camino. But the podcast is just one part of this project. And you can find us on the web at spiritofthecamino.com. And on our website, we have written content beyond the podcast, which focuses largely on the historical and cultural aspects of the Camino, the highlights of different routes and other things like that. And so... If you're listening to this more or less in real time towards the end of 2020, there are a few posts and articles that have been put up on the website as we prepare to launch this project. If you're listening to us sometime way in the future, then there's all kinds of great content that's already up there that I haven't written yet. Um, But I have a huge number of ideas about things that I'd like to write about, and I'm very much looking forward to bringing that to you at spiritofthecamino.com. Another thing that's quite interesting of what you read uh, about Alicia talking about the spirit of the Camino is that photography doesn't capture the whole spirit of the Camino. Or mm. I think her words were about blue skies and flowers, and it looks like oh, you're just having this nice walk, you know, out you know in the countryside. But you know, the Camino is not exactly that. Um, that said, I do think photography. Well, for me, it's an incredibly important aspect of travel in general and and of the Camino. I love to capture. The moments um, of the Camino, and that can be su- that can be anything. It can be just a beautiful sunrise, it can be a nice moment like you with the horse, uh, mm-hmm. it can be the churches and the other historical buildings that we pass along the way. Sometimes it can just be the trail itself. Mm-hmm. It's amazing how the trail itself is so beautiful sometimes, whether you're in a forest, whether you're in a place like the Meseta, which are the open plains where you see absolutely nothing except the sky and the fields for miles and miles on end. Um, and so, cap all of this uh, through photography is something that I love to do and so that's a big part of this project as well so you can follow us on Instagram at spirit of the Camino and we'll also be posting a lot of photos on the website in conjunction with these articles and if you really love the photos and hopefully you do uh, you can download them for personal editorial or commercial use at pick fair but if you go to our website at spirit of we'll have links to all of these things there sounds good finally Community is such an important part of the Camino. You know, as we've been talking about this great spirit that you have between other pilgrims or between pilgrims and, and local people. And so we hope to make community a big part of this project as well uh, through this podcast and also through our social media channels. And um, so if you could uh, look for us on Facebook, Spirit of the Camino and like us there and share the content that we're producing, you know, we'd love to build up a community and talk with other people about their Camino experiences and, um, you know, really develop this kind of virtual community to match the actual community that we all uh, know and love when we walk the Camino de Santiago.
0: Yeah, and we're also here to answer your questions as well. If you have never been on a Camino before and you're curious about it and you know have certain things that you want to ask, then definitely connect with us on social media and we'll be happy to help.
1: All right, so we will be back very soon with the first season of our podcast focusing all on the Portuguese route of the Camino de Santiago. Until then, buen camino.
0: Buen camino. Thanks for listening. For more great content about the Camino de Santiago, visit our website at spiritofthecamino.com. And follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Spirit of the Camino. Buen Camino.